to the FPL Roundtable, the only fantasy Premier League show that guarantees that you might learn something about fantasy, probably. And not only any kind of fantasy, this is still part of our four-episode run where we're sponsored by Playtaga.com, so you're going to learn more about draft fantasy, which is especially pertinent today. We won't get into why, because I don't want to talk about rival games on somebody's dime. But, just saying a lot of people all of a sudden may have a lot of questions about draft, which we will get to in a bit. Rob, we'll lead in with you, though. Uh, you got to go to the fantasy conference thing. I didn't get to make it there. That was hosted by uh, Play Taga. How was that, meeting up with uh, other experts and such? Uh, you know, it's fun sitting in a room of uh, your peers uh, discussing the, the Play Taga format, um, the original draft style. Um which is, like you said, a heated debate today with Twitter blowing up like it is as such. Um, but, yeah, it's fun sitting in the room getting varying opinions on pe- players, where they're going to be drafted, what their value is, incoming players, speculation players, um, people's views on uh, value of defenders, goalkeepers, and where players fall into to drafts. We, we did do a draft. We'll probably cover it later in this podcast. So we'll give people a, a, an expert view of – where people are going uh, without having rankings in front of them. Basically, we just rank based off you know our general knowledge of things and where we think guys would go. When you have the, uh, the availability of the play target draft kit in front of you, you'll have players in front of you, and you just click on the player. We as experts didn't have that. We just have our notes and you know our our cunning uh, intelligence, I guess we'll call it, <laughs> to uh, to guide us through the the, the sixteen or fifty yeah sixteen rounds. To uh, draft us a team, but yeah, that was fun. I enjoyed meeting up with the guys from uh, RotoWire, uh, guys from Playtaga, um, Neil J. Thurman from Roto World was there. Uh, it was a good bunch of guys, and I want to give an sh- extra shout out to uh, New Belgium at New Belgium Brewing uh, on Twitter. Uh, they sponsored the event. Uh, thank you for making my draft look miserable at the end because I was heavily buzzed by your beer. Um, so yeah. Uh, it was it was fun times I had by all, and I, I, it's enjoyable to, to meet up with the guys, talk footy, uh, especially fantasy footy as it relates to draft style. And uh, you know, I'm I'm all with those guys. Those guys are my uh, my peers, my associates in uh, in uh, football crime, I guess we'll call them. <laughs> Fair enough. We can get to that um, that draft that we ended up having. We did a mock draft to kind of wrap things up, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first, there is so much news. Uh, as far as transfers have gone, understandably more so the last two weeks now that the window is actually officially open. Um, but let's start with today and then kind of work our way back. It's probably the biggest of, of all of them, to be fair. Uh, Alexander Lacazette comes to Arsenal. Uh, there's a lot of uh, fantasy impact here, not just because he will probably be a top five owned striker day one, um, just because of the... And a name recognition, the allure, I think it helps him a lot that Zlatan came over from Ligue 1 last year and put in the kind of performances he did. Um, but also this could have an impact on players like Olivier Giroud, who may now be looking for their way out. Alexis would be pushed to the wing, you'd assume, if he's even still there. Does this impact who plays on the right wing? Is Otsil still going to stay? There's a lot of question marks there. What What is your main takeaway from uh, Arsenal signing Alexander Lacazette? Uh, it's very similar, exactly like you said to Zlatan Ibrahimovic. And last year at this time when Zlatan was was signed to United, I was worried about what kind of fantasy input he would have just as being a goal scorer. Uh, you know, some strikers don't contribute to. Um, Lacazette, he's going to have questions. Of course, people are going to buy into it because A, he plays for Arsenal, B, he's got a bigger name, and C, the forward rankings uh, basically fall off a cliff after like the top seven. Uh, for, so for trust-wise... 
I mean, he's got a name that you can buy into. Arsenal's going to score some goals. He does have a ton of talent around him. Uh, the only thing I worry about is um, <clears throat> his his goals in play. Uh, you know, that's the, that seems like it's the biggest contention I've been reading about. He had 28 goals last year, but 10 came via the pe- penalty kick. So mm. uh, what usability is he going to have? Is Arsenal going to be more of a scorer than he was coming from in League One? Uh, we don't know. We don't know where he's going to, you know, he pretty much is assumably taking over the striker role there. I would imagine that Sanchez plays a wide offset and an Ozil on the other side. But who knows? That's to be determined. We'll figure it out later. Like I said, we don't know who's going to be there and, and how it's going to play out. But but Lacazette right now seems like the biggest fantasy move, I would say, as far as a forward being added to the to the rankings so far. Um you know, so basically, when we get to the when we get to the draft in a little bit, you know, he did go pretty pretty uh, early, and he went in the top you know fifteen picks. Yeah. So that is something, or top seventeen picks. I'm sorry, but that's something that has implications already because we were kind of going based off what we may not know, and just you know, kind of as we as I'm, as I put up quotes, experts trying to hmm. assume where people went, and I did that as well in round two because you know. The, the fantasy implications of all these transfer rumors and people being brought in, like the Lacazettes, like the rumors facing uh, surrounding Romelu Lukaku now, where he's going to end up. You know, it kind of causes a waterfall effect of, well, if he goes here, who goes to Everton? If he goes there, what happens at United? If he goes there, who plays up top at Chelsea? Right. So it's kind, of a, it's kind of a waterfall effect. And now that you take a big name and like Lacazette and you put him for a high-scoring team like Arsenal, it, it's definitely a, a boon to the fantasy rankings. And it definitely – I'm not saying it elongates the, the forward ranks at all, but it definitely strengthens them a little bit towards the top. Yeah, which, which is definitely needed because we, we've already mentioned Ibrahimovic, but the fact that you're taking away one of the top five strikers from the game last year – left a huge void, and, and obviously Lacazette could fill that role, especially in ownership. Uh, another club that's done a lot of stuff already, we've already talked about three of their signings, I think. Two more happened on Monday for Everton. Ramirez became official, and uh, they've also now signed Michael Keane, who is a very good center back, who I talked about a lot last year uh, when he was at Burnley for all those home games, which are the only times they could keep clean sheets or win matches. Um, which one of these are you more excited about? Which which uh, is it? Keen, Keen. or Sandra? Uh, you know what? I'd probably, like like I said, the forward ranks are. San- Sandra only becomes a significant piece if Lukaku does move on. I think Sandra's a secondary striker there. Uh, I think he's a depth piece uh, in normal play if Lukaku remains. If Lukaku is gone, Sandra probably moves into the the top ten of of strikers because. He basically, he's, I can't picture him playing next to Lukaku very often. I think that they don't, that's not, doesn't fit their style. That's just me looking at what Everton has on paper right now. Uh, Michael Keane, like you said, is a, is a useful piece in the defense. Uh, anybody hoping that Phil Jagielka had any fantasy value can now just wash it down the toilet. Um, I think that Everton has completely made over their team and brought in pieces that not only will help them now, but with age, you know, Sandro being the age he is, Michael Keane being the age that he is, I think they're setting themselves up for the years to come, which is good to be a Toffees fan if, if you're looking for, you know, actual soccer usefulness, not just fantasy usefulness. Um, I believe Kane finished in uh, Michael Keane. What's, how do you – Keane? Keane. Why did I say Kane? I want to say I'm going to call uh, Harry Kane next. Uh, Michael Keane, he, he, he scored in the top – I believe he was in the top 16 overall in Taga scoring last year on a, for a surprise Burnley squad that had – three guys in the top 25 in overall scoring, you know, 
Um, so I think he's going to bring enough defensive metrics to this play Taga scoring uh, format that he'll probably be um, not drafted uh, where he'll probably score, but drafted at a discount enough that he won't hurt your team, if that makes any sense. You know what I'm talking about because it's draft style. De- uh, defenders go at you know weird paces, especially towards the later rounds, but he's definitely going to be a ro- – he's definitely a draftable piece now, um, and he's probably the – I'd say you'd probably draft him where you where you're drafting probably Seamus Coleman. Oh, d- b- because of that like two month discount. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I assume that we both think that Keane's basically going to walk into that job. I mean, they do still have Bunis Mori there, Holgate's a little too young, but Ashley Williams, right? And uh, Jag- Elk is still there as well. Who <laughs> randomly didn't he had like four goals the last six weeks of the season? Yeah, he was a scoring machine. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I think Keen wins that job. Yeah, I, I do. As, I do as well. Yeah, week one. Mm, maybe. Okay. But it, I if if they go with the youth and the the guys that win win in practice, I think I think Keen can beat out what they're looking for because I think Everton are looking for athletic players, and I think that's what they're doing in the in the off season. I think they're bringing in players that are very athletic. And have youth on their side. Uh, you know, Clawson is a very athletic guy. Pickford is a very athletic goalie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keane is. We saw what he was last year. Sandro Ramirez is a young, you know, striker from Malaga last year. He put up phenomenal numbers as a 21 year old. So they're expecting big things from from going in and spending some money on some youth, on some youth. And it, it, like I said, if you're an Everton fan in real life or in fantasy, uh, there's a lot of pieces to invest in there. Yeah. Um, lastly, uh, Huddersfield have signed. Just about all of the players. Yeah. Um, do you want to just touch on that cavalcade that are coming in? Yeah. The thing, the thing with Huddersfield is it's not like they're they're playing like chess here, but but they're doing is collecting pawns instead of like bishops or rooks. Uh, you know, Aaron Moy, Tom Ince, uh, Steve Mooney. Uh, there's a ton. There's a ton. Danny Williams. There's a ton of guys that are useful, useful pieces, and definitely Im- improves them on the pitch. Uh, everybody likes those, you know, promoted team discounts of guys, um, and what they can probably do for your team at a late round discount. You know, Aaron Moy could be a useful piece there. He could fit into like a facilitator role and probably, you know, do better than probably anybody they had there last year. Uh, Danny Williams is a is a decent outside uh, midfielder. Gives you some some wide side play. Had four goals last year for Reading. He has some athletic ability. He's kind of He's athletic. That's what I like about him. And for fantasy, you want guys who can get into the play, get in the mix. I just worry about the the overall, you know, talent around him and how he can, you know, adapt to that and actually you be a fantasy usefulness because he is probably going to be listed as a midfielder. Uh, the one guy that's actually intriguing to me is Steve Mooney, uh, coming over from from Mount Pelier. He had 14 goals and three assists. Uh, everybody's looking for that that striker on the lower level teams. Look, it's it's been happening for years. Look at when Watford came up; everybody jumped on the Deeney bandwagon two, two, three years ago, and and it didn't happen. It, it same thing happened last year with, with whoever got promoted. It everybody loves the discounted striker because the the striker ranks is where you find the values because the basically you have the top six names, you have the middle six, and then basically it falls off a cliff and guys you're basically crossing your fingers for and hope you could start maybe on a matchup basis. I think Mooney could be that guy. I'm not saying he's going to start from you know the jump and give you 90 minutes a game, 
But I think that probably by maybe 10, 12 games into the season, he's going to probably be their knockdown starter there. I just like his ability to you know, put the ball in the net. I've watched a little video of him, and I think he's got enough potential there that he's not a complete you know, late-game finisher like Rudy just said. But he's got some uh, – I don't want to call him like a, a poor man's Benteke, but I'll, I'll give him that a little bit, that he's a poor man's Benteke in his ability. Interesting. Yeah, the, the one I'm definitely keeping an eye on is Ince, just because yeah. – he was supposed to be good. When was that even? Four, three or four years ago? In the I was going to say at least four years ago. Yeah, with Blackpool. Yeah. Blackpool, um, yeah. And so I'm, I'm really interested to see how that goes. I kind of made a snarky remark <laughs> on Twitter when they announced that one. And I was like, oh, looks like he somehow snuck his way back into the Premier League, but uh, caught some flack from some championship uh, people and accounts saying that he was one of the better players uh, for... Uh, or one of the better players in the championship last season. So, mm-hmm. um, nah, you know, just kind of keep your eyes open. Is, is that your advice on pretty much all these options, though? Just kind of keep yeah. your eyes open and see which way it I goes. Mean, yeah, I mean, these guys are – you're not drafting anybody from Huddersfield. Uh, Although Aaron Moy, <laughs> this is my favorite stat, is uh, he had their most tackles and their most chances created last year. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you're look, if you're looking for somebody who has defensive and offensive metrics – uh, Moy is the guy. I think Moy is the first guy you're drafting from this team. Um, I think Ince is probably the second just on name recognition because everybody knows who Tom Ince is just based on who his dad is and his name is very similar because it's spelled the same. Um, and then it, if you're looking for a late-round guy, I think Steve Mooney is the guy that people are probably going to take a flyer on. You know, If you have your goalie already and your, your three or four defensemen and you're sitting in the, the last two rounds and you want to just take flyers on – on guys you may drop in the first two weeks. I think Steve Mooney is probably the guy. I could see Moy being drafted around like round nine or ten, only because people are probably going to buy into the the Man City, you know, previously love that he, you know, he's got a big club affiliation to him. And like you said, he did lead the league in defensive and offensive metrics, which is a contributing factor in Playtaga scoring. So yeah, I I, I like him, but I, he's probably like a step down from you know. Anybody, he, this way, you're not drafting him to start him. You're, he's probably your fourth midfielder you're probably drafting or possibly your fifth. And then everybody else is basically bench fodder. Yep, sounds good. Um, do you want to take an earlier break? Then we'll just hit the draft stuff and run there till the end? We most absolutely can. All right. And we are back. Hope you enjoyed your early break in the show. Uh, now we're going to talk about the draft that we did have, uh, the experts draft with Taga. And um, uh, who was the brewery that, that did stuff? New Belgium. Yeah. They make, so. fat, they make fat, fat tire. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So we all, we all did a, a big old draft. Um, and so we're going to go through it a little bit and then talk about uh, maybe picks that we made, strategies we were employing, et cetera. You want to just lead in with what your thoughts were heading into this one? Uh, yeah. My, my biggest concern was uh, how positions were going to break down. I know I'm, I'm speaking about it ad nauseum here, but – Anybody who's done uh, um, a draft-style draft already, um, and they, they know the conundrum that happens once you get probably midway through the first round, you go, wait, what happened to all the forwards? Um, it was no different in this draft. Basically, by round, uh, by pick uh, 18, I believe you know Benteke was off the board. So that's basically the the, bod, the top eight are off the board already. Um you know, in the first two rounds, five forwards, five midfielders. Same thing in the second round, five forwards, five midfielders. And then it starts matriculating down. Round three, there were seven midfielders, three forwards. Um, so basically, the, the draft attack now is uh, you need a forward 
in the first three rounds or you're in a ton of trouble. Um, if if you're going into round four and like this draft, if if you're going in with Mike, with Troy Deeney as the best striker on the board, you may be in a little bit of trouble. I know Sandro did get taken after him. These relate these results are posted somewhere on the Playtaga uh, Twitter account. So if you do want to go look at them, I probably you probably can go look at them and, and search for that product. Um, but I'm just running um, running it off. Like I said, we're talking about draft strategy this week for the Playtaga game. Uh, we just had the expert draft. Um, looking at it, you need a forward by first three rounds. There's no way around it. Uh, I know it, you probably you know circumnavigate some talent by go, getting a maybe skipping a midfielder in the first three rounds, but you need a forward coming out of the first rounds. That's my basic observation from this. Mm. And and everybody uh, in to, the room to, to put like a clear demarcation point for people. Who is the worst forward that could be your first forward? Does that make sense. I prob- I would probably say Dini is the la- is the last guy, and he was the, I think he's the thirteenth off the board, or eleventh oh, off forwards. the board. Yeah, it was round yeah. four. Five, five, three. He was the fourteenth. He's the fourteenth striker off the mm. board. Yeah. So I mean that in- that includes players like Alexis Sanchez, who people, if you haven't played the format, is does qualify as a forward, and there are other are other options in there that do qualify as forwards. Like Firmino is a forward. Uh, you know, Jesus. Uh, yeah, so Lacazette was taken ahead of him, which which was a speculation pick because the move wasn't done yet. And then there was two interesting picks at the end of the second round, which are also speculation picks. You know, Alvaro Morata has been in a lot of transfer news, but he was picked with the second to last pick in the second round. And then I picked with the last pick in the second round. And since all these pieces are going to be, you know, falling somewhere, Lukaku may go move here. Then Sandro comes up and moves here. Then who's going to be at United? Uh, you know, Murado may move there. And then who goes to Chelsea? So I went ahead and I speculated and I said, well, if Murata's going to go to, you know, to United or, you know, Lukaku's going to go there, Chelsea still Chelsea needs a forward because there's no guarantee that Diego Costa is going to be there, who by by happenstance was drafted in round six by you, Kevin. It's true. I, I went ahead and I took Andrea Belotti only because if speculation has it, has it, has it right, Chelsea has to replace them with replace somebody with somebody of talent. Yeah. And Belotti is basically the best talent I think that could probably be had. I'm not saying he's going to be had by week one, but I think by week three or four or five of the season before the window closes, he'll, he'll probably be on the move. Yeah, it's a hundred million euro buyout though. Yeah. Which which would take some doing. But um, you mentioned me taking Costa, which I did at the time was obviously uh, speculative. As you said, it was round six. Um, and I just kind of needed another forward potential. Like in case he stays, there was rumors at the time of this draft that um, he would stay for the first half of the season. That yeah. He would be quote unquote bought by Atleti, but then stay for the first half and then move when their uh, transfer ban is over. So that's what I was kind of playing at. Um, also... Had uh, already heard that the Tammy Abraham thing was either happening or had been done, and that Newcastle were in talks with Batshuayi. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Are they really going to get rid of their three best forwards all at once?" Yeah, yeah it's cra- um, it's crazy. But it looks like that's what's happening. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, I Chelsea must have some secret plan or maybe like a handshake agreement behind the scenes because to think that they could get rid of Costa, Batshuayi, you know, and Abraham. With Abraham is actually gone now. He is on Swansea, so um, it's crazy to think about. And just imagine, just look, just to look at the names that are being bantered around the, the transfer universe. There's nobody of you know Diego Costa's ilk being thrown around out there. So True. if it does happen, who who does what and what goes where? So anybody participating in a, an early play target draft, uh, just 
I'd probably avoid all Chelsea strikers and hope you get a good waiver wire pick because they'll probably be a, a, a great investment point if if it, if and when it does happen. Yeah. Although I do like Tammy Abraham. It's oh, I do, I do as well. Um, I do. At Swansea, I, th- it, I think it could be some. Yeah, it just seems like nobody really knows how that's going to work out. Obviously, Swansea did run a four four two diamond for a little bit back when Kisu Young and uh, Leroy Fair were good, like mm-hmm. three years ago, maybe that was. Um, so it's not unheard of, but you know that was also like seven managers ago for them. So mm-hmm. <laughs> it'll be interesting to see. But um, I, I think I don't think it was Abraham that we were talking about. We were talking about somebody else. But another one of those kind of Ujoa from two years ago things at Leicester. Yeah. Where he'll start some, he won't start all of them, but when he comes on, he's still a threat to score. Great change of pace, which is something that they really desperately needed. As much as I love Sigurdsson and Lorente, neither of them have pace for anything. Um, So getting somebody like Tammy Abraham running up front, I think, would be very dangerous for them. Um, uh, For me, um, I tend to like bookend picks, but I realized in this draft that the 10th pick misses almost every teardrop yep if that makes sense so like every time i was about to pick like the the three picks in front of me were the players i had lined up and then we just kind of uh <laughs> sol like the first round the three in front of me erickson pogba ali ended up going aguero which was concerning because i mean the concerns have been a little bit allayed because the last four or five weeks he played with gabriel jesus mm-hmm. but there was that period where it looked like jesus was just going to be the guy um so there was a little bit of concern there. Then I wrapped around with Coutinho. Mane went two picks later, and I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I feel like this is going to be the Coutinho year with all of that talent in front of him, that he's just going to be involved in everything. Um, but he might not be. And so just I, that was the feeling I had the whole draft, though. It was like I had just missed on people, um, which was pretty frustrating. As you said, we were less prepared for this, and... Uh, I don't know how early on you guys knew where your slots would be, but I found out what it was while I was on the call. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It, it ended up being a, a tough one for me. I did get some guys that I'm targeting this year. I really like Townsend this year because of all the crosses uh, and the take-ons. I really like Rashford at exactly this point just because we don't know who's coming in yet um, for United. Uh, obviously, the Bournemouth guys, and then <laughs> you drafted a few for me. At the back end, uh, which picks of yours were you particularly fond of, and which ones were you like, mm, maybe I shouldn't have done that as soon as it was over? Uh, you know, I I was kind of wishy washy on a lot of things. Like you said, I kept getting snaked on on, on picks. Uh, I like I like the the ability of of Mark Albrighton in round five. I think that I think people are discounting Lester a little bit because I think everybody's speculating that Mares could be on the move. I don't know if that's true or not, but. For in round five, at the the first pick of the fifth round, I'll take Mark Albright all day. In play Taga, he's a, a top twelve midfielder, I think, scoring wise this year. Um, so I think there's value there with the you know basically the the fiftieth or forty first overall pick. Um, you know, then then you start getting into round five, round four. At the end of it is is where the first. Uh, I'm sorry, the middle of round four is where the first defender went. He went with the the second pick in the fourth round. This is the the kind of the thing I wanted to touch on with uh with you with talking about strategy this week, Kev, talking about yeah, defenders yeah. because I think that's the one thing that people uh, misconstrue here because uh, defenders in in the play taco format. There's this is a, a widely debated thing. This is probably the most debated thing that we had at this at the the summit here, the rankings, uh, where defenders are, what their value is, and 
why are you drafting them before anywhere before round 11? Um, like I said, the first defender went in round four, the second pick. Uh, it was Marcus Alonso. Marcus Alonso was the best defender last year. Uh, people were thinking that it, it probably will continue. And it's pretty funny that, that Chelsea just signed another defender today, which we didn't cover. Uh, oh, yeah. So, oh, was so that official today? Yeah, they made it official oh. today. So, yeah. Uh, we don't know who's playing where, who gets pushed out or what with Chelsea. But Marcus Alonso with the, with the 32nd overall pick was the first defender. Then he was followed by – there wasn't another, another defender taken Till for Van another – Till Van Dyke in the round and fifth round. And then Baines, uh, Antonio Valencia, maybe Kyle Milner. Walker. Yeah, maybe Milner, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kyle Walker, Cesar Azpilicueta. And then I didn't take my first defender – until round seven, mm. where I took Eric Bailly. I this think is, that this is also a really good thing to bring up on is for people that aren't used to drafts, there mm-hmm. will constantly be runs when a position goes first. Oh, totally. So at the beginning, because there's so many good forwards, there's an early run on forwards, then two to three to four really are, de- are midfielders. And then as soon as the first defender goes, like we saw here, and all of a sudden, like seven or eight in the next 15. And then from mm-hmm. then on, it's just kind of like people filling out their rosters. But just be ready for those kinds of runs. Yeah. Yeah. You either want to be the first three in a run or skip it and jump to another position that is like that, that next tier of guys. So basically, if the top five defenders all go in front of you and, you know, your choices are, you know, Hector Bellerin or Jan Vertagen, and but you can have a midfielder, you know, in the same vicinity, I would probably jump to the midfielder because the defenders are always going to be there value-wise late in the draft because, like I said, people have a, a differing of, uh, uh, opinion on defenders. But there is value in defenders late because of the variance of scoring and the additional scoring categories that aid defenders in the play toggle format. Um, yeah. So, Kevin, do you, are you in the same conundrum that you, you can wait for defense in, in a, in a toggle draft? Or are you one of the guys who just basically takes best available at, available at that time and if the defender is the best available, you're taking that pick? Um, so it's interesting. We've, we've talked about this in the past, the kind of evolution of Taga. The first year, uh, defenders were way overemphasized, where their goals and assists <laughs> were worth, like, too much. Um, and so, like, that first year, I just went, uh, oh, who would it have been? I don't remember, but I just basically took whoever the top five defenders were and goal scored the previous year, and it worked out really well. This year... Not so much. And and I, I do agree with you strategy-wise, but I do wonder how much of that is just specifically the players. Because you do have Marcus Alonso, who last year was obviously very threatening. There were some weeks he was on free kicks, scored goals, had assists. But there's also rumors that maybe Alexandro comes in. Mm-hmm. So that kind of kills him. You have a player like Kyle Walker, who was top five in every format last year. Is he staying? Is he moving? Is it going to be Kieran Trippier? And then you have Azpilicueta, who ranked very highly in leagues that, that emphasize clean sheets. Is he going to play as a wing back? Is he going to be a center back again? I just think that this year, like, is unique in that Antonio Valencia didn't play, like, eight of the last ten matches. Like, all of the high-profile, high-scoring defenders have question marks coming into this year. So I don't know if every year I would like to leave defenders as late as the last six rounds. But I think this year you certainly can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, totally, I totally... I mean, like, I'm on the I'm on the fence. I'm a, I'm a big draft guy, so I, I basically... I either look for team need first or value on the board. Uh, I don't... I'm not... I don't hesitate to take a defender in the mid-round, 6-7, 
you know, if there's value there, I'm taking it. Yeah. You know, if, if Van Dyke was there in round six, I probably would have taken him and then foregone taken Bailly at seven. Uh, but, you know, when you start off your draft, like you said, you basically need to go forward, forward, midfielder, forward, midfield, forward in your first three picks. It, it, it's kind of equating to, you know, fantasy football, American football. You know, there's differing styles. People people are, are – or two RB stuff like that. Yeah, staunch on going wide receiver, wide receiver, running back. Or some people are still with a running back, running back, wide receiver. It's the same. It's the same thing here. Uh, but basically, you're looking for value at position, and for for value position, you basically want to come out of the first round with you know forward, forward, midfield, midfield, based on talent level and how the players and picks fall to you. Uh, you know, Playtaga gives you all the the tools in the shed, and and go look at their draft kit. Before you do anything with a draft, read up on everybody. They have all the rankings there done by John Wallen at Fantasy Gaffer on Twitter. If you have a question, shoot it to him on Twitter. He'll be glad to answer it. Um, but, you know, the rankings are there. Uh, you may not agree with it. And that's that's <laughs> you're right because that's the way, you know, rankings are supposed to be done. If, if you want to drone rankings, you'll make your own. But th- they give you the tools. They give you the ranks of players and, 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 and how they should go. But when you do open the draft room, you'll have the players in front of you. You'll see what they did last year, their stats, how many points they did, and such, so you can make a comparable, you know, on-site analysis of what you want to do. Um, but yeah, so it, it drafts supposed to be fun. Just ra- this draft was was very fun, varying opinions on things. But just make sure by round four you have two wide, two yeah, two wide receivers, two <laughs> two forwards and two midfielders. That's the basic draft advice that I can give anybody. I know this show is about strategy here, um, so that's my basic advice. And my basic other basic advice is uh, don't draft based on filling positions, based on, uh, I would probably say, ability to fill your roster with starters. And it goes back to what I said in last week's podcast. Um, pick, a, pick a format, what, you know, attacking what you want to do, whether it be a 3-4-2 or a 4-4-2 or a 3-5-2, you know, whatever you want to – whatever roster or starting lineup you want to do. Go into that draft after the first three picks knowing that you're going to be like, all right, I have Harry Kane. All right, in round two, I got Christian Benteke. So I'm probably going to start at least two forwards. So draft accordingly to that. And so if, if the value is there and you, you find more value in midfielders your next couple picks, then go go ahead and attack that route and then go play a 3-5-3 or you know, whatever the available 3-4-3 and base, base your team on that. Go into it knowing that you want to start your teams playing a certain you know formation on the pitch. That's interesting. So when you're in a draft, mm-hmm. do you look to fill that first? Because earlier you mentioned you like doing talent-based drafting as well. It works very well for the Steelers, Patriots, and Packers in yeah. real-life yeah. American yeah. football. Um, so like, would you ever hit a bench player before you fill starters? Or is your literal goal just get your 11 starters and then fill your bench with just best available? I would probably... Well, the the good thing about doing that is, uh, you know, the varying styles that Playtaga offers. You know, you could play a four four two. You could play a three four. You know, you know a three four two or a, you know whatever whatever you want to play three four three. And but in in comparison to other fantasy sports, the lineup is set. You can't like add a utility player, add a running back, or add a wide receiver and take away a running back or a wide receiver. So the ability for you to change on the fly is is good for you. But based on what I'm drafting, I'm drafting usually my starting 11. And then after that, based on value on the board, the best player available after that, it'd probably be my next pick. 
Yeah, while we're talking about where you would tend to try to draft people, I wanted to bring up some uh, breakdown stats, kind of touching on that order that you want to take people in and that formation decision. Because (laughs) I think for the most part, you're going to want to play either a 3-4-3 or a 3-5-2, just Mm -hmm. the way the scoring breaks down. So last year in Taga's top 50 players, 30% were forwards, 46% were midfielders, 24% were defenders, 0% 0% were goalkeepers. <laughs> in between 50 and 100, uh, it changes. Only 10% of forwards, only five forwards total, finished in between 50 and 100. Interesting. Like, that's that's that cliff that we're talking about, though. Yeah, it's very, very front-loaded. It's, like I said, yeah. you basically have to get, you have to be part of that first, you know, Baker's dozen. The, it's the, the first, first big 15 end. Yeah. end up yeah. in I, the first 50. Yeah. Yeah, and then after that it gets much worse. Then you end up with a much higher level of defenders in the 50 to 100 range, which obviously is rounds 5 to 10 in a 10-team league. Well, it also um, goes to, to players that are being rostered because most, most teams only have one everyday striker. So true. if there's thir- 13 in the first, 15, first 50, you know, that's only leaves seven possible other stri- starting strikers to go you know, in the yeah, draft because there are 20 teams. Primarily people so, just play one up front these days. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. But I just thought that was important for people to hear. So when we're saying pick pick a format that uh, you prefer, I guess what I'm kind of saying is prefer one with three at the back. Yeah. <laughs> but it, obviously you want depth. And um, actually, let's let's get into this again in case people are just listening for draft for the first time. We have actually flip flopped on this now, the two of us in our takes on it on wing backs versus center backs. Are are you still leaning the center back route these days, or or which which way are you looking at that debate? Obviously, wingers offering accurate crosses and assists more, whereas center backs tend to have more of the tackles, interceptions, aerial duels, and sometimes mm-hmm. goals depending on their role in set piece plays. I think the scoring is coming back more, so it makes them a little more even because center backs do have the, uh, the basically that almost one additional. I know the other guy has it as well, but they're more involved in those. You know, guys that in the center of pitch, you know, do have more aerial duels and, and stuff like that. But there are some some defenders that do and get involved in in the buildup and and they are involved in in the offensive makeup of the scoring. So I, I believe it's coming almost where. Wide side defenders and center defenders are almost closer. Yes, there's more of a variance for wingbacks to have score for, to score more goals, have more assists, do more crosses, as you mentioned, Kev. But who's just, who's to say that that the the center backs don't score as many goals? Well, we see, we see, we saw what what Alfie Mawson can do. We saw what Scott Dan did a couple years ago. Um, there's, so there's value there in drafting those guys. Um, I personally still like the center backs. I think that there's more of a solid uh, fantasy, you know, no frills to them. Uh, I think that they are more of a solid guy. I think there's more fluctuation in in playing teams wide defenders than there are center backs. But that's just me. I know it does vary based on injury, you know, you know, attrition, stuff like that. You know, people sucking. Hmm. Um, but I mean, listen, there's there's elite defenders. And then there's elite defenders for fantasy, you know, like like the, the the Virgil Van Dykes. And then on the opposite argument, there's elite defenders who are good for fantasy, like Marcus Alonso and Leighton Baines. So you're getting a little bit of both, uh, a mix of both worlds. So it's just a variance of, I think it's based more on value at draft spot rather than center mid or you know you know wide side defender. 
Yeah, and uh, the numbers kind of bear that out. Uh, of the 12 defenders that did finish in the top 50 last year, six wingbacks and six centerbacks. There you go. So, so your argument that uh, they've come much more in line definitely seems to be the case there. Any kind of final strategy thoughts before we move on to trades and waivers, which of course are pretty unique to draft formats? No, I mean, uh, if you're setting up a draft on play target, try to do it as late at, at, into the season as possible. Um, they do, they will update their, you know, their their roster. I think as much as they possibly can up until their, up until draft day. And by all means, do not take a goalie until at least the last two rounds. There will be a, a massive run on goalies, uh, so just pick one that you think will be, you know, adequate has a has fixtures that you like favorably for the first eight weeks so you don't get sick of them by then um and yeah i mean just like i said don't draft more don't dra- don't go crazy drafting defenders because i think that as kevin mentioned with the rankings in the top 100 top 50 there's no there's no value there i think that they, they all basically plateau at probably you know you have like i said you have the the, the outliers and marcus alonzo and then you, you drop and virgil van dyke is only like you know Projected, I think, probably to have, you know, right around what everybody else is going to have, like, 50, within 20 to 40 points. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, there's a there's a plateau there for defenders. So, don't go crazy drafting extra defenders. Draft the goalie late. Uh, go in having a, a, a mindset after your first three picks of what you want to do with your team, whether it be a 4-4-2, whether it be a 3-5-2 after your first three picks. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Uh, well, we wanted to wrap up talking about trades and waivers because, obviously, neither of them exist. Uh, yeah. In the official game, for now, dot dot yeah. dot until <laughs> dun 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 <laughs> until the end times. Um, yeah. But let's start with trading because uh, not only is it a foreign fantasy concept to a lot of the British FPL fans, it may be a foreign sports concept. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously, it's difficult. Sometimes there are swap deals; they don't happen often. Weirdly, Tottenham have been in a couple. Um, there was the Sigurdsson for Vorm and Ben Davis. Mm-hmm. Um, flop that we did uh oh i feel like there was one more that i'm missing oh the Nkudu for ng literally last summer mm-hmm. um so it does happen but usually why it doesn't happen in the premier league is it's hard to reach that level of um it, it's hard for teams to reach similar valuations of their own players and similar valuations of the opposite team's players yeah. to make and something pace, work and the pay structure in the premier league is different than any other sport also true so uh Guidelines for trading in the Premier League, basically, or sorry, in uh, the Togo format, um, is what's your weakness? I feel like that's a very important question to ask yourself in any fantasy game that you're ever playing, even if it's other sports, is just constantly evaluate what your weakest position is. Then see if you have a super surplus position and if you can make something work linearly. Just at its at its root, I think that's the main point of trading. How you do it is based on you. Um, what, what would be your approach, uh, Rob? Let's say let's say that we had our two teams right now. Do, do you have it up still? Yeah. From the mock? Yeah. Okay. So who's somebody that ended up on my team that you would be interested in? Uh, I'd probably be interested in, in if it didn't take away from your team. I know you're you're kind of weak on striker because Diego Costa is basically not going to be there. Yeah, so I yeah. mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go in there and raid, raid. You know, I'd probably look at probably a defender because mm. you do, you do have a good, good defense, defensive metric there with with Adam Smith, Michael Keane, you know, 
Charlie Daniels. Those are three guys that I've mentioned and Toby. several several times. With and Toby. Yeah. So you do have a fourth defender there, where I only drafted three. Um, I'd probably look at probably, probably trading you trading for Adam Smith. And based on my team, I'd probably offer you like Adam Lookman, and you probably would take it. I probably would not take Lookman, but I would be willing to do something like Smith and somebody like Smith and J Rod for IU or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, right, and that's yeah. another thing, is you can package things. Yeah, you can do two-for-ones, and then the, the player who's receiving the extra player, they have to conform that onto the roster limits and just drop an additional player. Um, right, yeah. So, but yeah, so tra- trading is fun. It's a vital. It's not vital because you don't need to trade to, to stay you know active. I think in the, the couple years that I've been playing Play Taga in the expert leagues and the other leagues that I just knock around for fun, I've only seen like two or three trades done every year, and it's – the amount, the way the waiver system is, and the the amount of players that are on there, because the, there's usually only ten or twelve teams. Every team has sixteen players. You know, that's 176 players ish, mm. somewhere somewhere in that some yeah somewhere in there some 170 players. So basically, every team starts 11 times 20. That's 220 players. So there's an usually an additional 60 players on the waiver wire, not including injury replacements and you know transfer new new transfers in, which which ties into the waivers in a little bit. We'll talk about. So the way the way the waivers is uh, formatted, I think that it, it limits the trading because I think there's always a piece on on the waivers that will age your roster rather than try to trade your assets, which everyone values more greatly than everybody else. Yeah. The, the replacement else. level is high in this yeah. in this league. Very very much very much so. The the replacement level to replace a player uh, is is far better than any other sport because. Uh, there's basically fantasy halves, and basically there's probably eight teams that are probably almost all their starting eleven will get drafted from, mm-hmm. and then there's everybody else will get drafted from the lower level teams, maybe like two or three from each team, four from each team, based on uh, you know forwards, midfielders of use, um, you know just things like that. But yeah, but, but like tra- last but tra- year, I got to pick up Sun and Josh King. I'm mm-hmm. sure I'm sure you had guys like that that. Yeah. Yeah, I picked up. Um, I'm trying to remember who I picked up, but I, I definitely picked up some useful pieces. And especially, I, I picked up uh, a Fobe at the right time mm-hmm. when, when he scored two goals. It's all—it's all a matter of, of picking up the right waiver and guy. Matchups and everything. Yeah, like that. absolutely. Everything on the waiver wire is based on you know matchups and need. You know, injuries do happen. Um, so if you're not familiar with the waivers, uh, basically what you have to do is you don't—you don't have to allocate money to transfer in and transfer out. It's just basically a, a straight swap of uh, you can either trade. You know, if you need a defender for the week because you have injuries and you don't have anybody in your bench that you trust, you can just trade. You could drop anybody on your roster that you want to and bring in a defender. You don't have to do a straight defender for defender swap. So if you need a midfielder, you can drop a defender, midfielder, forward, forward. You can drop a defender, midfielder, or if you need an extra goalie, which is the dumbest thing ever. You don't need two goalies um, unless one's hurt for a couple weeks or if there's an international break or not an international break, but uh, blanks or of course, yeah. But but you don't want to carry two keepers throughout the year. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, the way the waivers are structured in in a draft style, I think it, it's more conducive for roster flow because you don't have to make a straight defender for defender swap, and there's no money involved in it. You don't have to make a midfielder swap. You don't have to make a forward swap. You know, if there's a better asset on the waiver wire and you're short and and, and you already have two forwards on your bench, and you want you're like there's a good value on the on the waiver wire, you could pick up another forward. And, and add them to your team as long as you have the, the minimum required, you know, three defenders on your team. That's basically what all you need. 
to fill your roster. So, yeah. I think it's important for us also to point out the difference between free agency and waivers. So free agency is largely what we've been talking about thus far, that if you need a player, you go and pick one up. Uh, I think waiver's clear Tuesdays now. I think it used to be Thursdays. Yeah, it used to be Tuesdays. I think it's Tuesdays. Yeah. Um, So basically what waivers are is once all the matches have been played, well, actually, I think in Togo, once any matches have been played. I think it's um, the first game. Yeah, first 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 game. Um, Then all players lock on whatever team they're on or whichever players have not been picked up that week. So they are now on what's called waivers. And I think they do reverse order of standings to start with. Yeah, they start a re- they go reverse order. Right. So basically the team that's in first place will have the 10th waiver and the team that's in 10th place will have the first waiver, meaning that if the team that's in last, the first waiver puts in a bid and the team that's in 7th puts in a bid, they'd be the third or fourth waiver. The person who has the higher priority number, and by higher, I guess I mean lower, the closest to one, is going to be the one that gets to pick up that player, as opposed to free agency where, um, so I, I think it's yellow and green on their page. So if it's, a, if it's a waiver, they won't be added to your team immediately. It has to run through that process. And then starting Wednesday, you can check for any free agents, and then you can make the move immediately without it having to run through anybody else's bids to see what's happening. Can yeah. you say that more succinctly? Because I just said that very rambly. Yeah, no. What you said it. You said it exactly, exactly the right way. It's just that. Um, so basically, you put in a. Basically, the waiver waiver. How the waiver system works is, you look at the allotted players that are available via free agency. They don't become free agents until after Tuesday, which is when they become. You know, it's basically a first come. Best, best avail, you know, best numbers service. Basically, so basically, when you go to the deli counter, say if you have uh, number two and the guy behind you has number three, but you want, you know, forty-four pounds of ham, you're gonna get forty-four pounds of ham and leave the other guy none. So that's basically, and the forty-four pounds of ham is the best talent on the board or the best incoming, you know, transfer to the to the player universe that you want. So if you have a pre a higher number or lower number than everybody else, you're gonna get the guy as long as you put a, a waiver claim on the guy. After after the Tuesday and all the players are available, it's it's a free for all. It's basically dodgeball and there's no teams. So you pick on the you pick on the kid with the glasses. That was that. That was better, more succinct. Yeah, <laughs> I I think upon multiple listenings, what I said may make sense, but I doubt it'll make sense at the first it, go. Especially it totally made sense. That don't and know at, what at, we're talking about. And at the beginning of the year. So basically, if the season hasn't started and you finish your draft, the waiver the waiver wire, if there is one, I don't actually know this for, for fact, but I th- I'm pretty sure it is this way. The waiver wire is the reverse order of draft to begin the year. Oh, interesting. Before there's been any matches played. Yeah. That makes sense. Oh, and the one last thing. If you do successfully pick a waiver player, you move to last in the waiver queue. Yeah, it, it's a it's a waterfall approach to waiver wire or rolling, as you as some people would say. Rolling waivers. Uh, all right, that's uh, that was pretty dense stuff, but glad we got through it. Hopefully, you guys at home learned stuff from that, and and will be able to implement it in your drafts. Any final thoughts for today's show? Uh, no, I just want to thank Playtaga again for having us, having me out for the uh, their summit. Uh, so if if you're looking for a draft style and you want to do it today or any day, go to Playtaga.com. They have the the original product, and so. That's that's kind of funny because we're put, we're saying that right now, but in a couple of days it, it won't be funny because there'll be other people saying other things. So, uh, yeah, but enjoy play Taga, enjoy draft style. We'll be here uh, until 
I don't know, next May. <laughs> <laughs> and then probably going to do some World Cup game stuff, so. Yeah. It never ends is the moral of the story here. Uh, yeah, I'd like to, to echo Rob's thoughts. Uh, very uh, glad to be doing this with Play Toggle, which is a game we've both played from basically day one. I, were you in the beta as well? That one that started uh, in January, like. Yeah, I was in the first one where it started half years halfway. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. Um, but anyway, we're definitely gonna stick with them. Uh, there are competitors that you may or may not be hearing about soon, but again, we're not gonna talk about it on Taga's dime because that's just rude. Um, but uh, next week will be our last official Taga show. Then we'll get into other games like. Never mind, I'm not going to allude to it anything else anymore. Uh, but a uh, huge thanks to Taga. Again, you said thanks to uh, New Belgium for uh, providing spirits uh, for your draft. I was glad to take part in that mock draft. Uh, so, yeah, follow them at PlayTaga, uh, playtaga.com, blog.playtaga.com to get all of their uh, written content. Smokey underscore Loogie is Rob. At Kevroff is me. At Fantasy Gaffer, if you have any Taga questions. Uh, So yeah, reach out to any of us. Hopefully uh, this was helpful, and we'll catch you next time. Peace. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.